Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me as always is my partner in crime, Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Awesome. That, how was, are a, you? that was a good short answer. I yeah, appreciate yeah. that brevity. Because I want to get uh, right yeah. into the interview. <laughs> well, we, we have such an awesome person on the podcast today. Um, um, one, of my, one of my friends from LinkedIn, tremendous person, Natasha Purnell. She is the Chief Culture Officer at Park Insurance. Natasha, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'm fantastic, and thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have a energetic conversation about culture. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that gravitated me towards you. I saw one of your posts about culture, and I thought, this is a cool person. I need to uh, <laughs> uh, start a friendship here, learn more about her. So I just really appreciate your friendship, appreciate you being on the podcast, and thought we'd start off with an easy question, a uh, question that we start with um, all of our guests, wondering if you can just tell our listeners and viewers a little bit more about yourself. What's your career yeah. journey? What's brought you to where you are today? Absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Culture Officer at Park Insurance. We are an independently owned and operated insurance brokerage in Burnaby, BC. I have been with Park Insurance for just short of four years now. And really my role revolves around anything and everything to do with our wonderful and fabulous uh, people. Uh, one of the, it, it, that's the short answer, right? The long answer is, is that I am entrusted with uh, maintaining a very high positive workplace culture and highly engaged and satisfied employees. Uh, we do this through implement engagement surveys. And so we know we have around a 90 to 92% satisfaction rate with our employees on a quarterly basis. And so what I do is, you know, the way that I describe my role, which is different than a typical HR manager is that HR managers often advocate to the employees on behalf of the employer. And in my role as chief culture officer, I advocate for the employees to the employer. So I really work for the employees of Park Insurance. And so what I'm doing in my day in and day out is I'm gathering information from the staff to figure out what is going to make them have more buy-in, what's going to make them more engaged, what's going to make them more satisfied, how we can seek that alignment of buy-in and taking care of them on a professional and personal level. And then I make recommendations to our executive and leadership team about changes that we can make within our organization and how we can elevate all of our initiatives and programs and processes with being employee-centric and keeping the employees top of mind. So that's you know what I get blessed to do on a daily basis. I absolutely love that. I honestly wish that there was someone like you working at all the corporate stops I have because I was miserable at each and every one of them. So <laughs> quite often, yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we spend so much of our lives at work that as employers and employees, we deserve to go in and be happy and engaged and satisfied, right? I love it. Well, you answered uh, question number six that I had, <laughs> Natasha. Awesome. Of all your, you had a passion. I can see it written down there. <laughs> I can read it. <laughs> well, the word happiness, right? Like uh, teamwork, happiness. Uh, just curious why you why you chose happiness, but you answered that already. Um, on the employee centric bit. So uh, in a past life, I was in the transportation industry and I worked for a company called FedEx and mm -hmm. uh, they have something called, I hope they still have it, people service profits. And it's like, if you take care of uh, your people, they'll provide good service, which will then turn into good profits for your organization. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are 
in the insurance context for that statement. Uh, do you do you agree with that? And do you find that you know as you help people transfer their risks and manage their risks, that just so happens to be the service that you provide? Um, how does that look in the insurance context? Yeah, I absolutely agree with it. And when I started on, you know, my personal culture evolution, I was a small business owner of a restaurant many, 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 many moons ago. And I had read a quote by Richard Branson who said, clients do not come first. Employees come first. If you take care of the employees, they will in turn take care of your clients. And I was like, Wow. It was like mind blowing to me at the time. I was in my late twenties and I owned a business and I had no right to own a business at that point in time. I had no idea, but it made so much sense to me. And that's where I started with, if I take care of, you know, like here, 35 people really well, they in turn take care of thousands of clients for us really well, because we have that mutually benefit, you know, buy-in with each other. Um, so I think that that mantra of taking care of your employees and that they will take care of your clients is transcendable against any industry. Um, but especially in the insurance industry, if I was trying to take care of our book of business, of thousands of clients, that would be incredibly challenging. Yes. And, and so I, I do have a couple of questions that I think I'm going to fuse together here. Whilst yeah. keeping the energy in the conversation and keeping it positive, I do want mm -hmm. to talk about some negatives of, you know, what does an unhealthy culture look like? What are some red flags that you would notice? Um, and the forward slash other question is, well, what is, what is the climate in the insurance industry more broadly? Is it a healthy culture? If not, you know, what, what changes do you think could, could be made there? I think that the climate in the insurance industry is okay, right? You know, we're in a hard market right now. It's challenging to place business. You know, premiums are higher than normal. Uh, we've had a lot of natural disasters that have had a lot of claims. And so things are a little bit more challenging in our industry right now. And um, and that can be stressful for employees. Um, and so it's really important for, you know, people to, you know, for employers to manage that, right? I think that sometimes it's 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 challenging to even know where to start when you want to try to build a positive workplace culture. I would say that you know when I think about you know what your first question was was like what does a not great workplace culture look like? I think anyone who's ever worked somewhere that's toxic would know. You know, there's yeah, exactly right. And what did that look like? It looked like and it felt like. On Sunday night, you didn't want to go to work on Monday. Yeah. That's what it looked and felt Sunday like. Sunday night anxiety. It looked like you showing up at 9.01 on Monday morning. It looked like you being miserable and having bags under your eyes. And it probably felt like a lot of gossip around your office, a lot of drama. It probably looked like a manager who didn't ever recognize you for any of your work, let alone any hard work. It looked like you know, what we know now is quite quitting, right? Um, and so that's what a toxic workplace culture can look and feel like, right? Yeah, really well said. And so how do you go about addressing those things? I mean, yeah, clearly that's been a priority for you within your organization, but. Yeah, so it has been. And so it's, it's, you know, really, you know, first and foremost, it has to stem from the top, right? So as a leader within your organization, you need to believe 
that you want to take care of your people on a professional and personal level, and that you want to have this mutually beneficial buy-in to each other, that you're going to live the values and your employees are going to live the values, right? And that you are having, um, you know, this, like I said, this mutually beneficial buy-in to each other. Um, and it's, it's hard to know where to start, but my recommendation always is with surveys ask them what like, you know, so many times we think, you know, as employers, we think or do things or make changes, thinking we know, but without actually really knowing, right, you know, we just need to get comfortable being uncomfortable and having open and honest conversations, or doing anonymous surveys with your employees about are if you're happy at work, if you have the tools and equipment you need in order to succeed, if, um, your work environment is happy. If you have a good relationship with your manager, if you do get recognized, if there is career advancements and developments within your position, right? Do you have you had the proper training, right? So really, that's a, such a, a strong place to start, right? I mean, we can talk lots about uh, all the other things you can do, but if you don't build that really great base and foundation of knowing where your employees are in terms of that gauge of satisfaction or engagement, you can do fun stuff. Cool. You can have beer happy hour Fridays, but if people are walking around your office, you know, being cancerous and being toxic and talking drama, right? Having beer on Friday afternoons isn't going to fix that. It's just a band-aid effect, right? So really, you need to start with getting down to the root of the employee engagement. Yeah, that's wild. I feel like you're reading my mail a little bit from a sort of a past life because I did, have, yeah. you know, a few, a few good, uh, good years or interesting years in insurance. And that's a little bit my background as well. After yeah. That transportation. How much do you think of it is, you know, w- with culture is like, like tone from the top. Like I think of red flags being, you know, f- fear driven, sales driven, uh, you know, Fear of being publicly embarrassed, let's say in a in a sales meeting or something like that, uh, or fear fear of being let go. Um, I know that to cope, what I saw a lot of people do, and what I guess I was part of, is just kind of setting up a subculture <laughs> within where you know you can rely on a, a group of people in the organization, and you kind of just kind of lead your own uh, internal uh, functional fu- functional group, and otherwise potentially what could be described as a dysfunctional organization, culture, subculture. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that happens in a lot of companies where you have these, you know, subcultures. And then what happens is it creates, you know, divide and and tension and animosity, right? Um, and I think again, so it needs to start at that top level, right? And it needs to start with you know, doing that baseline of measuring where your employees are at in terms of their engagement and satisfaction, identifying areas of concern that need to be fixed and addressed, mentored, coached, or changed, and then communicating out to the staff that this is this is what our culture looks and feels like, and I want our culture to look and feel like this. And so we're going to try and start doing these things in order to obtain this, right? Eventually, you're probably going to end up having conversations, whether, you know, at a high level management or middle level management with some of the people in your organization where it's like, 
we're here and we're going there. So you're either on the bus to come there with us, or you can go off the back of the bus and go find another bus to get on to, right? Um, but I think it needs to be addressed from the top that like when you do start on your culture evolution, that these subcultures are no longer have any place within your business anymore because everyone is going to be in this harmonious, happy, positive culture bus altogether. I, I agree. And I think, you know, maybe what it comes down to for me is like, how do you convince the uh, the top level leadership that have the power to decide that that overall direction that this is a worthwhile thing to do? And maybe they think, well, having individuals and groups within competing and and fighting against each other drives drives business. <laughs> yeah, Lord. I mean it doesn't. I mean we only have 10 12 minutes here but what I can speak to that is that there are tons of studies, metrics and numbers and stats online that will tell you that having that type of culture in your organization will not yield you the business outcomes that you want. And the business outcomes you want, which you can obtain from having a positive workplace culture is higher revenue higher profitability, higher employee retention, higher customer metrics. And then you also have things that go down. You have lower absenteeism, lower uh, after shrinkage, right? You know, so you can start to get all these wonderful business outcomes um, organically from having an amazing positive workplace culture. Because again, it goes back to like someone showing up and being like, wow, like, I feel really well taken care of here. You know, like Dominic works his butt off to take care of us. When I come here, I want to work my butt off to take care of him too. And that means taking care of the clients, right? People who feel appreciated will always do more than what is expected of them. Yes. And it's amazing to me. And this is my last thing before I give Dominic uh, his Last this question. moment in the sun here. Yeah. <laughs> insurance, I think it's a business that you can do it even imperfectly or dysfunctionally mm. and still succeed. But to me, you've really demonstrated here why you want to have a healthy culture and how actually profitable um, you can be. Uh, yeah. Much more uh, positive fruit that can come out of it in, in measured in tangible ways. So yes. I, I love yes. that point, Natasha. Thank, thank you. Thank you. The, um, and, Last question uh, for for you, Natasha. Um, you know, we, we've been um, at least on LinkedIn. You've been promoting uh, culture uh, boot camp. Um, I know you've run a couple of sessions. Who who is that sort of geared towards? Who would be ideal um, people to participate? And how can people learn more? I love this. Um, I this is a passion project of mine that I spent all last year creating, and it's because I get to network with so many small business owners, and I was a small business owner, and I can see that need for people who do care about their people within their organization, and they do want to do something, but they don't know where to start, and they don't have the resources to have someone like me, or maybe they have an HR manager, but they've always been more, you know, lent. towards traditional HR practices instead of, you know, being more uh, progressive and holistic in terms of, you know, culture. I created it for small business owners, HR managers, and people leaders who want to make changes within their organization, but don't know where to start. It's a six-part series. It's Fridays on two hours because I know as a business leader to walk away from your business for a whole entire day and get a hundred unread emails. You walk out of a session, you're motivated, you go have to go put out a bunch of fires, return a bunch of phone calls, do all these emails. 
by the time you get back to circling around to the tools and resources that I taught you in the workshop, you've lost the motivation. So we just do two hours a week and I, you know, I, I, it's really fun. It's super energetic. It's really interactive. And I teach, you know, like again, small business owners, HR leaders, people leaders, anyone who is in charge of any people underneath them about what they can start doing today to build an amazing workplace culture. And I call it the, you know, six ingredients to the secret sauce of an amazing workplace culture. So we go over what culture is and why it's important in all the business outcomes and the KPIs that you can have. We talk about employee engagement surveys, the who, what, where, whens, and whys, and how you can execute on doing those. I literally give you the tools. You can walk away at noon on Friday and have a survey out to your staff by by 5 p.m. on Friday afternoon, if you want to. You, that's how much resources I give you. And then we go on to talking about communication, recognition, development, human resources, best practices, and then the fun stuff. And I purposely planned it that way, you know, to digress to our conversation in a linear way. We're setting the base first about engagement surveys and then moving on to like how you communicate with your team and why that's important and what you're going to communicate and then about recognition. So we're not, and then the fun stuff is last. You've built all this base stuff and now we can party. Now we can have happy hour Fridays, right? We can add on all these perks and benefits. So it's about a layering system. And so it's quite strategic. So if anyone uh, of your listeners is interested in learning more, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and find out more about the uh, the Culture Bootcamp Workshop. That's fantastic. Natasha, thank you for your energy, the wisdom, just the insights. This has just been an awesome, awesome conversation. Uh, you're, you're, our, you're actually our, our last guest for our recording day today. So thank you for Yay. ending our already on such a high energy note. This was just fantastic conversation. So thank you again so much for joining us on the podcast. Of course. Thanks. It's been my pleasure being here, guys. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You as well, Natasha. And Krishna, I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. That was a really high energy conversation. Absolutely love Natasha's energy. And she had such good wisdom around culture building and not just, just doing it for the sake of it, but yeah. the benefits are clear when you put your people first. So um, yeah. I know your, your fire was lit there, but what, what was, what were your key uh, takeaways there? Well, to be honest, it was lit so much. We just talked to her extensively <laughs> after the episode. So we're only now getting to I, doing the outro. It was like two here. episodes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think the camera was rolling then. So I think it's good. But, uh, the, the ROI of a healthy workplace culture, that's what I got out. And I was encouraged to hear that somebody is, uh, addressing that in the insurance industry to put it very positively. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we really appreciate Natasha coming on the show and talking about that, talking about our culture bootcamp as well for uh, people in the SMB space. So a big thank you to Natasha uh, for joining us on the podcast today. And as always, a special thank you to our loyal listeners and viewers who join us each and every week. If you did happen to miss an episode, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page uh, and or check out previous episodes uh, on your preferred podcasting platform. Till next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again next time on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. <laughs>